Zothka Gehbub. The field is grassy and the sun is in the sky. Um, it's a beautiful day. And as with most beautiful days, your orcish clan are roughhousing a little bit. They're, they're out practicing their combat. Um, every week there are some sparring matches. I mean, nobody's ever going to challenge your clan's leader, right? Nobody's really trying to disrupt the hierarchy of anything. But it's kind of a proving ground for the adolescent orcs to like, yeah, we're going to get out here and we're going to fight each other just to show that I'm stronger than you are. And, you know, as always, the strongest three are always the strongest three. But um, we we joined Zothkug face down on the green grass, the beautiful scent of Petrichor filling your nostrils as you look up and three of your peers, uh, fairly young orcs, are looking down at you laughing. Ha <laughs> ha, look at the runt. You can't fight. You'll never be anything in this clan. Stop it, guys. Another one of them rears back and kicks you with a Ugh. canvas boot, pushing you back. Well, then stop us. You can't even defend yourself. Most people can't defend themselves against three people. Then fight me one-on-one. -on -one. Get back, boys. And two of the orcs step back in the sort of lead bully who, I mean, this, this you know, you were born in the same lunar cycle and you have kind of always been at odds with this bully. Uh, his name is Ram Shackleback, and you've just, for, for as long as you've been alive, Ram Shackleback has been, like, giving you grief. And now he stands over you, his shadow casting a little bit of a shadow across your face. You're still on the ground. You haven't stood up yet. He says, let's do this then. Come on, let's wrestle. Zotha stands up, like, wipes away the grass, dirt, some tears, and, um, like, takes a very... Like, takes a stance, but it obviously looks very, like, he doesn't, he's very afraid and very timid. Okay. Um, yeah, so he takes his stance, he's looking very timid. Go ahead and roll an acrobatics or athletics check, um, but with no proficiency bonus. Okay. So your, your ability score, but not your proficiency bonus. Okay. That is a seven. All right. Um... The nat 20 that Ram shot back <laughs> He comes over, he hooks across your throat and slams you onto the ground, knocking the wind out of your lungs. He's holding you down with his forearm, pressing Zothkug into the dirt, and he's going, you'll never be anything if you don't learn to fight. Look at these pathetic, pathetic attempts at, at fighting that you're doing. You'll never be anything. My dad says the strongest warriors are the longest lived. So you are just about dead. And he like continues pushing and, and you know, kind of giving you grief. What do you do? Uh, he just kind of like curls up in a defensive posture and tries to just like shield the, the vitals. Okay, so he's just, like, shielding the vitals. He's trying to wait. You know, Ram Shackleback's friends are all egging him on. He's he's kicking you. He leaves you bruised. He finally stands up. He's looking down at you, and he, he does the most disrespectful thing that an orc in your clan can do, which is he, he reaches down, he spits in the dirt, and then he takes a handful of it and kind of shoves it into your face. And this is, like, the ultimate sign of disrespect in your orcish clan. Um, and... As he does that, there's a little bit of... There, there's someone you don't realize observing from the forest behind. Um, and perhaps that someone feels motivated to act. Um, 
I'm gonna go ahead, uh, step up. I'm gonna be like, whoa, 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 kid, st step off him, all right? He's had enough. You don't need to be like that. What does Young Fox look like? What appearance has he chosen in this moment? In this moment, Young Fox appears as a slightly more chiseled version than probably what his age should imply, trying to go for a bit of, I'm older than what I look like. Um, but at the same Maybe time... A five o'clock shadow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but he, his height kind of conveys his actual age. Um, so he's a little shorter and he's going for like short hair, um, rough cut and it's all jet black and he's got black eyes and, and he's like, yeah, I was, I was like this. This is my calling. Go ahead and roll intimidation with um, no proficiency bonus, and you can roll it with advantage because you've also surprised um, Ramsh. Don't even back. need the proficiency bonus. <laughs> my my D twenty's making up for last session with the nat twenty right off the bat, and I'm losing oh, my voice. Yo, nice. yeah. Fox steps out, and Ram goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What what were you doing there, man?" And his friends kind of trail off, like, "Is this part of the bit? Are we cheering him on, or is this really spooky?" And Ram's like, "Come on, boys, let's get out of here!" And he and the bullies turn around and walk off, leaving Zothkug laying there, dirt kind of smeared on his orcish face. Man can't even back himself up. All right, hey man, you... get come on, man, you can get up. Let's 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 get up. He gets up, wipes off the dirt and, and tears. <laughs> Thank you. Um, how, how, how can I repay you? Um, and, and don't, don't, don't worry about it a little too much. All right. L listen, um, I'm actually, I was, I was on my way. And if, if you want, you know, like you, you don't have to, you know, like, and I'm, I don't, I definitely don't need, need anybody coming with me, but you know, if you want, you can, come to the next town with me you know i'm just i'm going traveling you know trying to trying to find myself you know trying to understand the meaning behind life and I, you can come along if you oh, want are, are, are you an adventurer yeah obviously <laughs> can't you tell like i've been adventuring for so long man i see that's so cool you gotta show me uh, you know what yeah yeah wait wait until we get to the next town i'll show you all sorts of adventuring tips and tricks all right Oh, okay. I'm I'm worry. I'm Zothka, by the way. Oh, you know what? You can call me Fox. Nice to meet you. Fox, you blink your eyes, and when you open them, you are laying on your back on the stone floor of the Temple to Awara on the Emerald Tier, the fifth tier of Gaim. There's a wet washcloth over your face from where you've you've fallen temporarily unconscious just from the shock of of the past day's events really and as you peel it off of your face next to you um you you kind of look over to the side and the first thing you see is a leg um it's not yours it turns out that the favorite of awara who runs this temple is sitting cross-legged between you and zothkug and she's working on stone tablets covered in designs there are ones scattered all around the room of designs she's rejected and as you sit up just a little bit further past her, there lying on the ground 
uh, looking just as still and small and vulnerable as the day you met is Zothkug, the light of a soul no longer present behind his eyes. And you know what that means. It means it's story time at the Wing Badger Tavern, and we're going to be right back, everybody. Sunir, Gontos, Kotis, Awara. Long ago, the four ancients created a world in harmony. Then, everything changed when the chat ebbed magic. Only Kelmore, master of good vibes, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. Two years have passed, and four adventurers have discovered a conspiracy, a company selling magic. And although their roleplay is great, they have a lot of XP to earn before they're ready to save anyone. But I believe they can save the world. It's been a while since we had some proper introductions. Let's meet our characters for tonight's Dungeons & Dragons session. We'll start at the top and work our way down. <clears throat> Hey, I'm Wash. I play Radford the White. He's uh, he's a dude. <laughs> Hello, I play Fox, the rogue bard, a little bit of bard, changeling. Yeah, he's a dude. I uh, am Trevor. I play the now dead Zothkug. He is an orc cleric. Um, kind of ironic, really. I'm not. All right. Uh, hi, I'm Jake. <laughs> I play Alan Woodrear, the Molfolk gun wizard who spits fire and fires spit. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, He's uh, the Asimar barbarian. I'd love to see your take. Uh, barbarian artificer. Um, and he's also a dude. So there's that. And I'm Josh, your Wing Badger Game Master for the evening, and we are about to get back into our Dungeons & Dragons session, but first I have to acknowledge that in the chat, I think Matt was laughing at the joke that, that Trevor said, but dead, but he wrote bit dead, which is so much funnier <laughs> to me. Like, I play Zothkog, but you know, bit dead. Bit dead. Like, he's, he's a bit That's dead. A bit. He's, a, he's a, mostly dead. Most I, thought he was saying, I thought he was saying the fact that I said... Mulfolk gun wizard, and then like he was like, bit, the bit's dead. Like that, that, that bit isn't funny anymore. <laughs> no, He's dead. No. <laughs> <laughs> no either, either way you slice this, it's it's funny. Best part That's is right. no matter. I didn't even beat it either way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all right, we jump back into tonight's adventure. Uh, not in the temple to Oara where a, a frantic uh, priestess is scribbling away at designs. But instead, we descend another five tiers to the clockwork tier, the ground level, the bottom of the city-state cavern that is Gaim. Um, on this clockwork tier, the royal palace can be found. And wandering around this tier, looking for Laredith, is Radford the White, but we don't stop at Radford the White. The camera just slides right over top of him and he gets that cool cameo that you get at like the beginning of the episode because we're actually joining Alan Woodrear in this moment. Alan, you are sidetracked for the briefest of moments by the floor. As you kneel before Salen, Queen of Gaim, eyes downcast out of respect or maybe out of the pain of your ruptured organ and cracked ribs, you notice that rather than being constructed of one material, the floor is a delicate patchwork of gemstones littered about like gravel and sealed under a layer of heavy, clear quartz. 
As you look back up towards the queen, the pain makes your eyes blur and your vision swims for just a moment so that things swirl together, the many colored torches mounted to the great glassine pillars standing like sentries along the left and right sides of this room become a sort of kaleidoscope mix of color. Behind you, there are two large doors of gold inset into a fine wall of worked stone that leads to the outer courtyard of the palace where not three hours ago, you investigated a rot troll alongside Radford and Zothkug. Before you, up ten wide steps that span the full width of this receiving hall, inlaid with the gemstones corresponding to the ten tiers of Gaim, sits a throne of a deep purple hue. You're confident that the material is not naturally occurring, and again, for the tiniest flicker of a second, your pain-addled mind fixates on this before being brought back to the present. Silhouetted, silhouetted as if by the spell Fairy Fire, though in reality it's a result of those many colored torches burning along the wall behind her, a dwarven woman sits in that strange violet throne, still as stone, clad herself in a purple robe cinched at the waist with gold thread to match the half-cloak draped over her right shoulder. Salen is a dark-skinned dwarf with a head shaved nearly bald except for the braid that runs from her forehead back across her skull and down her back to her waist. To the left and right of this braid and extending down onto her face, you realize that what you first thought were ceremonial war paints are actually ceremonial tattoos in runic shapes that, again, you have not seen before. A small tiara rests atop her head, framed by the tattoos and creating an even break between the beginning of her braid and the top of Salen's face. Ten small jewels of the finest quality have been set at even intervals along the tiara, representing the ten tiers of Gaim, and at its center is a turquoise gem that, if you don't miss your guess, would have had some arcane function in the world three years ago. Salen has deep amber eyes that appear to be x-raying you as you finally meet them. The moment crystallizes in what feels like a year of silence as the queen appraises you and Laredith, wingless and broken as the two of you are. She raises a hand to dismiss her golden guardian, your escort to this room, through, though the spear-wielding stone golems flanking her throne do not move, and the attendant sitting discreetly at a desk off to the side of the room with parchment and quill remains poised and ready for action should they be summoned into it. Laredith takes a deep breath to speak, but the queen silences her with a sharp look, followed by sharp words. I will not hear the mouthpiece of a goddess who forsook my queendom. Her fairness and justice have spoken for themselves. However, I will hear your escort, who has clearly braved much to find his way into this room. Announce yourself then, stranger, and deliver these terrible tidings you claim you have. I am Alan Woodrear, and I have journeyed across many parts of Urda, um, and in my journeys with my friends, although they are any kind of like is like just still kind of frazzled, any kind of gestures generally, uh, they're scattered about the city at this moment. Um, I have discovered we have discovered three major things that we wish to inform you of and uh, wish to enlist your help of if you are willing. Um, we have discovered the cause of the darkening. We have discovered that the avatars, or at least most of them, have been enslaved, captured, their magic being siphoned, um, and we know their locations. Um, and we also know that all of this is being perpetrated by aboleths who wish to cause the downfall of the gods and our world. The queen begins drumming the fingers of her right hand on the armrest of that violet throne. 
She snaps her right hand, and immediately the two stone golems snap to attention behind her, moving their spears into a more ready position. She leans back and says to one of them, fetch any books concerning aboleths from the royal libraries. And he turns around and smartly marches off through a door uh, recessed into the back of the hall. Then she sits back down again, and once more drumming her fingers on the right side of her throne, she just kind of stares at you. And then Alan suddenly like starts a little bit, and he's like, ah, and um, we have reason to believe that um, the Abolus may be staging an attack on on the the kingdom of Gaim. Uh, they we have already caught their scouts, their automatons uh, within the walls, and that is part of why my um, companions are strewn about the city, trying to find and eliminate what is what is left of them. And then Alan's gonna like kind of like kind of try like really concentrate in his head to try to be like, is there anything else that I need to tell her? And he's just kind of, cause he's just so exhausted. Roll a, everyone's going to have to do this, but go ahead and roll a constitution save against uh, a level of exhaustion. Yeah. That's only a nine. Yeah. So you do take one level of exhaustion. Um, as we realize that, um, the events of the past four sessions have all happened today. Um, so ever like Savage left and then everything since has happened today. So you yeah. fought some, some gang bullies. You've um, been down to this tier to get in line. You've hidden Laredith. You've chased the automatons up the side of Gaim. You fought them. You fell a long way. You got hurt. You got revived. You went to all greens. You came back down the reticulator. You went to the gemstone guardians. Um, they got you into the palace and you're here all in one day. Um, the other two of you, the DC to beat is... Yeah, so you take a level of exhaustion if you don't beat a DC 12 on your con save. Um, look forward to cutting that out of the Spotify episode. Um, meanwhile, um, um, the, Al- the... Go ahead. I was going to say, Alan, um, as he's trying to concentrate, he just feels the energy drain out of him. But as the energy drains, he's just like, oh, yes. And... Um, it seems as though you may not be on the best of terms. And he's like, Alan is like, just like, he's so exhausted. Um, but we were wondering if you could protect Laredith for at least some time. And he's just going to kind of like sink down and just like, and look up just like, yep, I put it all out there. Like that is, that is what I had to say. You would have me offer protection to the mouthpiece of a goddess who with ample time provided no communication no respite no explanation for the vanishing of magic from the world is that correct although we cannot guarantee that it is necessarily necessarily Awara's fault that there was no communication. Um, yes, that is what I am asking. Awara is the goddess of trade and innovation, and she values in her followers, if I remember your own words correctly, she addresses Laredith, fairness in all things, equal exchanges. That's what makes her favored such great mediators in trade dispositions and disputes, is it not? Laredith looks down and kind of nods a little bit. She says, so for three years, Awara has left us to fend for ourselves. 
in the dark, metaphorically, in this event called the darkening, and in a more literal sense, as all the lights went out uh, when the darkening occurred, hundreds died. What would be the fair exchange in treatment of you? Laredith has no answer. She still just kind of looks down at the ground. Alan raises raises a hand. To be fair, um, if if Laredith was Awara's mouthpiece and uh, and Laredith was immediately captured during the darkening, um, while that is unfortunate, it is what I would consider a um, mostly legitimate reason for a, a lack of <laughs> communication from Awara. Also. There could be an argument to be made that we in this moment are Awara's mouthpiece and communication. And although it is coming a bit late, um, I think there are legitimate concerns that we are raising and that we are on the side of Awara's fairness. If that makes sense, your grace. <laughs> now it's going to like, kind of like, yep. That she, she looks towards Alan. And again, you get the feeling that those amber eyes are x-raying you as she kind of drums her fingers on the side of her throne. An attack, you say. Tell me the nature of this attack and what would be achieved by completing it. Well, um, this is... Uh, I'll just be completely transparent in this moment. The attack... That's wise. Yes. Well, yes, I've been transparent in all of these moments, although this <laughs> moment it will be a bit more embarrassing. That is what I meant to imply. Um, the attack on the city may be motivated by the fact that my friends and I um, are working against the Aboleths and we may or may not have set up our headquarters in Gaim. And because one of our friends has been captured and compromised by the Aboleths as, and then Alan will kind of like gesture out to where the rock golem went, um, your, your books will probably um, outline uh he was captured by the Aboleths and therefore put under their mind control in which they will have access to all of his memories and knowledge and such. Um, he knew the location of our base, which was located in Gaim. However, we have a great reputation within Gaim um, for Guys, Ventures, and Vibes. I'm sure that if you were to look us up, you would you would come back, come back with glowing reports on the good we've done for the city. The queen snaps her fingers again, and this time the parchment attendant on the side begins flipping hastily through a book. Continue. Um, however, because the Aboleths know that we are located here and that we have been working working against them, which you know is obviously, in my opinion, a good thing, um, they are will likely now be targeting the city. So, in continuing to uh, examine the scales here of what might look like fair reward, you're telling me that in addition to leaving my queendom on the hook for three years that we could solely and completely trace the potential danger to all of my citizens to your organization. If we were to once again, talk about scales, if we were to widen the scales to the overall greater good of Urida, for example, I do believe that in this case, we have to set up a base of operations somewhere, and we did just happen to choose Gaim. Uh, and 
As you say that, the attendant with the parchment book rushes quickly over to the queen and hands her a page pulled out of their... It's like a three-ring binder, you know, of, of parchments. They've pulled out your, your charter. She looks at it and she says, Hmm. I see that Caitlin approved your charter. Yes, that is correct. Um, Caitlin, in fact, is uh, uh, an acquaintance or e- even some a friend of one of our own uh, Zothkug Hibbub. Fetch her. Um, and the, the parchment attendant rushes out of the room um, to go and do the queen's bidding. Jen's shoulder angel pops up on Alan's shoulder and says, hey, uh, don't forget to tell her about the, the Western war front that's mobilized and moving east. Um, and yes, uh, I'm sorry. I am just very exhausted from, from the events of the last day or so um i also tell me how you came to be in this condition well yes um so uh first i'll say the first thing and then i'll tell you about why i um anyway um there is also uh as if you i don't i'm not sure if you're in touch with the king of udral necessarily he would also vouch for our character and the mission that we are um are doing um but uh, as you may know, I'm not sure if you know, but as you may know, there is an army of 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 there is a group of armies being controlled by the Aboleths making moves in the east that will be moving west. And Alan's gonna like look towards the the jeb shoulder angel to try to remember. Was it and east west moving west? East. You know, yeah, you know. west moving east. I you apologize. Um, um, and. Uh, the King of Udral and his forces um, are currently mobilizing to intercept them, but that is also an immediate threat that is being controlled by these aboliths. Um, but why I am in this condition now, as I mentioned before, um, these these aboliths they control these automatons, um, or they have created these machines. Um, it's quite quite interesting in fact quite revolutionary the way that they've done it um but they have versions of them that are that function as scouts um with surveillance equipment and such and uh they're very mobile and my my friends and i uh encountered a group of them on this tier this bottom tier and we moved to intercept them in the process um well they they are very agile and mobile as i said and they began climbing the rock walls of the city to escape. Um, one of my friends, Radford, um, he was easy. He was easily able to catch up with one and destroy it um, up the rock wall. I had to resort to a potion of, of leaping. Um, and in the process, while I disabled one of them, um, it, it was in the air while I disabled it. And I did take quite a fall. Um, afterwards so um yes anyway also once again stepping out into the wider picture sorry my brain is a bit scattered today um the aboliths will come for all as i as i as i said before the aboliths are just a are a world a present world threat generally um and so whether we brought Danger here now, I believe, is it is somewhat of a negligible balance on the scale as to like what the world danger is 
overall generally if if uh if Gaim does not take any action. As you say that, the doors on the left that the attendant left, um, they they are sort of pushed open with great force, and the parchment attendant comes through. <sighs> completely out of breath. There's a person who sits at a desk and writes on parchment all day, completely out of breath from having done more than one task that involved <laughs> moving. Um, but behind them, looking as though she's not like used any effort at all, strides quickly and purposefully, Caitlin, daughter of Salen, who we met a long, long time ago in season one um, at the party at Jess Basin's estate. And she strides into the room, a flowing gown of sparkly, um, kind of like violet material, kind of trailing behind her. She says, Mama, has my poet come to visit? And, um, you know, strides across and the the queen looks over at her and says, your poet? And she launches into an explanation of how, you know, these people saved me and I was in such danger and this this poet with his flowing words and what, and, and he and his his manservant were able to basically, you know, whisk me away from danger and and put me on the horse home and, and you know, saw to my safety. And the queen looks back towards you and says, you have my thanks, champion. Uh, yes. Um, as as she has somewhat explained, she like, as I said before, she's re- referring to, to Zothkug um, and uh, as, as well as as Fox. They were instrumental in in saving her life. I, I was there, but. Admit, uh, admittedly, Alan like thinks back and remembers he was about to say he remembers that he was drunk for the first half of all of the events that happened at that point. He's like, although admittedly, I, I was I was out of sorts um, as well during that time. I guess it's you a habit to have a I keep getting into. Yes, our family out of sorts. Yes. <laughs> well, if we are continuing to look at scales and even transactions, Caitlin, my daughter will soon oversee this queendom. And as someone who has been raised to tend to them, to treat them well, to manage their needs, there is an argument to be made that you have saved many lives by saving hers. Alan sinks like even further onto his knees like, I think Awara. Yes, I think that's a valid argument. Hmm. The queen again begins drumming her fingertips on the the armrest of her throne. There is a vault beneath this palace where we could harbor Laredith. And while perhaps we will not be on friendly terms, I can respect the danger that you are in and the vulnerability that a mind that once led the world of Uradah forward must feel in such a weakened state, and I will not pressure you further at this time. Have it decreed that the vault shall be changed and made ready for Laredith, and the parchment person, very happy to be writing on parchment instead of running somewhere, you know, begins flowing calligraphy and, you know, making the, the paperwork in triplicate and, you know, handing it off to others to run out and, and disperse. Can, can um, Alan incite the queen... Yeah. Um, to him, a vault sounds suspiciously like a prison. Okay. Um, yeah. He's just trying to make sure that this isn't like a. I have a grudge against against Awara, and I'm taking this out on her by, by you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, roll an insight, and then afterwards roll a history check. Vastly different rolls. Eight insight, twenty-one history. 
eight <laughs> insight. You are unable to glean anything from, and to be fair, this queen is all poker face. You are unable mm-hmm. to glean anything from her behavior that would give you an insight into her demeanor. However, you recall as a member of the A2 army being educated in other previous military conflicts. One mm-hmm. of those military conflicts is what's known as the Great Underdark War. And it's a war between the Hematicians and the Drow. The Hematicians were commanded by their god to basically dig deeper into the world of Urada, And in that process, they obviously entered the Underdark and ran across a civilization of Drow. That, that war is also sometimes called the Five Centuries War because it went on for 500 years until Salen, accompanied by eight of her ten gemstone guardians, wandered into the middle of the battlefield and did something, nobody seems to really remember what, that brought peace and, and ended that war. Um, however, before she did that, her queendom would have been neighboring a warring area of the Underdark. If you'll recall, on the clockwork tier, there's a huge like door that they call the crossing that is the entrance into the Underdark, and it leads right to the palace. And so when she says vault, she might be talking about something like a bunker. It would be hmm. very reasonable to assume that there would be some kind of safe place where the royal family could wait while their military got them back out if something were to to create an incursion okay. into Gaim. So that's fair. Um, that that is basically what what you okay. can remember cool. and glean from that. Um, so the runners run off to do that, and she says, "Also, fetch a warm drink for this one." Uh, and perhaps a hangover cure. She looks at you like Alan shakes his head and he lets slip. That was that was the previous time, not this time. I am just, I I fell. And he's, As you were. Uh, um, and so yeah. someone eventually comes with like a goblet of like hot steaming liquid for you to drink. Um, and Laredith, um has not left yet, but like, you know, Laredith's needs are being tended to, her bandages are being changed and her wounds are dressed with some kind of ointment and stuff like that. Um, basically, you and Laredith are ushered out of the receiving hall um, and into kind of a side chamber where like the attendants are now seeing to you. The queen has begun rattling off rapid fire orders. She's demanding books from her library to read. She's um, yelling at Wigbert to tell the line of people to go away because she has things to think about this evening. And there are still two days before the harvest festival, so they can wait till tomorrow. Um, and, you know, just basically going about the logistics of being a queen who's just learned that potentially her nation is in crisis. Um, Meanwhile, and, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, oh I was to say, Alan was going to ask Laredith, um, Despite obviously this this conflict um, that seems to have just emerged unexpectedly, um, what are your thoughts on this on this vault? I just I just want to make sure we're not leaving you in a vulnerable position. It is no surprise to me that she would feel this way. This is a very rational, intelligent woman, which is of course what drew me to befriend her in the first place. Um, and she has a nation of souls to, you know, to protect and to be accountable for. And I'm sure that she feels very defensive of them. And whatever role the darkening played in her danger, she has no way or has had no way of knowing for three years what happened to me. And, you know, the bitterness that grows a grudge is not something that will just go away on the first meeting. I think it probably did you a great many favors for her to see me with no wings. I imagine that eased some of the scales that she spoke of. But as as for the vault, I'm actually familiar with this vault. It is a mm. safe place 
that the royal family have built into their palace. It is defended well by um, both royal guards and some of the same stone golems that you saw protecting the queen herself. And I think it will be a safe place for me. Well, that that is much eases my mind a lot. Um, I need to lie down. <laughs> <laughs> we cut now out to the street, the clockwork tier, where Radford, you have been looking high and low, left and right for Laredith. You find no trace of her, but after a while, you do overhear two gemstone wardens. They're not guardians, but they're wardens talking about that crazy thing in the barracks and having to find the invisible woman um, as they're walking past on the street. Um, Can I, like, jog up to them? Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, stranger, uh, what can I do for you? Oh, good vibes. Um, I'm looking <laughs> for an invisible woman who is around here. I was with her a little bit ago, and then the machine thing started raining down, and we started fighting, and then she went off to safety, and I'm trying to find her and my friend, the tall guy, really big muscles, flowing golden hair. Roll persuasion. That's decent. I'd like to think that you just run up to some cop. Yeah, yeah, those two people you were just talking about, I'm their friend, totally their friend. Uh, <laughs> can you tell me where they're at right now? 16. They look at each other and the first one shakes his head and the second one goes, no, I, th I think he's legit. He's a, he's a, he's a killer, right? They're not very good liars. I'm going to pat my, <laughs> pat myself down. Do I have, still have that like symbol thing? A little badge? I think you tossed yours to someone to run down and get the gemstone guardian. Didn't they come you, back? Or did they return it? You're right. I think they returned it. Pretty sure they came back. I think you're right. I think you do have that that medallion oh yeah here's the thing thing um i was the one Told that you. sent off the guys to uh to take care of the the mess the mess that was like up oh, on the yeah yeah okay i remember seeing someone run in with one of these medallions um we can i i don't know that it's like it's a little above my pay grade to try and get you into the palace but i can take oh, you back to in the, the palace and you can talk to one of the gemstone guardians about it i was just wondering where they were um yeah they're in the palace okay okay so they're safe uh is there any word from the from the rest of the guardians about the the current threat have they been able to to take care of the other two that were up above uh there there isn't any news from them but take a look at these and he points over at one of the pillars you know the big supports that hold up the arched bridges above you and you can see that inset into them at um, regular heights are a series of crystals with little hot wires coming out of them. We can communicate using these crystals. So if there were an emergency or something to report, the news would have come down. Mm. There were four in total. And the scene up above, there was only two. There was two more that was heading up to the ceiling. The, the two gemstone ward wardens start looking around and they're like, let's get you to the barracks and not discuss this in the open. Okay. Um, they take you back to the barracks where you can continue your conversation. They're just moving you to somewhere safer. While we're walking, can I keep my eye out for FP? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, roll a perception check. 19. 19. 
Um, you do not see FP as you are traveling towards the um, the barracks, but you're confident that if FP were on this tier, you would have. Mm, okay. Um, you make it to the barracks, and you're inside and explaining your situation um, as you will. Right. So there were four in total. They were down here. They were in a little platoon. They were all formed up. Um, and, uh, and they gave, gave chase. We were able to take out two of them. Uh, we need to make sure that those, that, that the damage remains, that we're able to recover them and learn about them as much as we can. Because these are, these are just like some scouts, but there's two more, two more that headed up to the, to the top. I think they're trying to get back to wherever their army is. One of the recovered constructs is over here, and you turn around and see one of the gemstone guardians done up in their fancy ceremonial armor, this one inset with gold, um, opening a small door, and you can see that in a side room, almost it's not quite an operating table. It looks like maybe a card table that has been hastily mm. repurposed, but the construct that you killed has been laid out on top of it, and there are several artificers with their tools out who are kind of going over it and examining it and trying to you know see what they can learn. Okay. All right, good. There's also... A friend of mine, he looks exactly like one of these automatons, but something's different with them. He, uh, he's like, these things, they don't think, but he's, uh, he thinks, and he's been working at our company for a while. Um, he wears clothes, so if you see one that's, like, wearing clothes, not our enemy. And actually, if you find him, he could probably be a really good source of information on how these things work and what we might be able to do to defend ourselves against them. They look at each other and they look back at you. The burrito bot? Yeah. Yeah. His name's FP. We love the burrito bot. We wouldn't we wouldn't mistake the burrito bot for an enemy. He's totally different. He wears two sets of clothes. <laughs> and you can see that and it kind of like ripples around the room. Like you can see they love the magic bean burritos. <laughs> the the gemstone wardens are huge fans. Um, <laughs> and so and they think they call him burrito bot as like their affectionate Yo, nickname for him. Burrito bot. I uh, love um, it. <laughs> So, so you can at least rest easy on that front. Um, the the gold gemstone guardian says, Let, "Why don't why don't we take you to uh, to your friend? He he is in the palace right now, meeting with the queen. I don't know that it would be wise for me to interrupt his meeting with the queen, but there's a receiving chamber off to the side where they'll take him next, I'm sure. Uh, and we can we can reunite you there. Will that work for you? Yeah, yeah, that'll work for me. That'll work. Very good." And so it is that just a short while after having your bandages, our Laredus bandages changed and Alan drinking his warm drink, um, the non-receiving hall door to this room opens and the gold gemstone guardian says they should be just through here. And in steps Radford while the gold guardian goes to do his his work. He leaves and shuts the door behind him. Uh, Radford. Oh, good. Um, You're okay. You, you, got, you got my message. Um, yes, uh, we are okay and we have spoken... With the queen, ah, ah, I did go? just realize the one. Th well, it went well. Well, it went as well as it could have. Not as well as it could have. It went medium well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did realize I forgot to tell her about this whole the whole thing that Zothkug knew about with the um, the the corrupting and the interplanar energy. Um, it was it, it it seems to be affecting them in their tunnels, and and Zothkug can definitely tell her about it also the, the 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 princess really needs to see zothkug she is over the moon about him being back which is which is great i think that helped us a lot in that conversation but yes things are better now okay things, we're on the right track i'm gonna sit down 
and I'm gonna pull my little gourd off of the, uh, well, my big gourd off of the back, off of my back, and pop the cork and pour out some very, uh, very strong moonshine that he's been that he's been brewing in there for a while, and uh, pull a couple little little wood tumblers out from uh, out from my pack, and pour two tumblers, hand one to Owlin. It'll take the edge off of stuff. Kind of loosen you up uh, a little bit. Thank you. It's much needed right now. I'm just glad that that seems like we're for now we're safe. And Alan's gonna take it take a drink. Mmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 It, Alan's gonna take another drink. <laughs> keep going. It's good for you. What what flavor is this? This is this is something. If there's a flavor in it, then I did it wrong. Um mm. <laughs> But I've heard it affect other people's palates differently than you know us Dragonborn. We've got a got a different palate, so. I'm trying to make it as Alan's gonna... completely neutral as possible. And, well, it's 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 something, and Alan's gonna even like offer some to Lairdith. The idea is that it draws the vibe out of you. So you know, depending upon the person. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and Alan's gonna kind of straighten up a little bit. Well, what what's happened on the on the upper tiers? What what's what what's our next move? Okay, so I made it up to the top, and uh, the headquarters completely destroyed. Completely destroyed. Uh, it looks okay. like they got there and they took out the red vipers and messed up a whole bunch of stuff. But it looks like Fox got our got our people out. So that's good. good. That's good. We lost somebody. I, I'm, I'm sorry. What, what do you, what do you mean by that? I thought you said Fox got everyone out. He did. He did. While he was getting everybody out, um, Zothkug was going one on one <clears throat> with one of the one of the machines on the bridge, and we lost him. He's uh, he's not with us right now. Alan just kind of stares at at Radford. I You look like you, a, you're a man you of intellect. I forget. I shouldn't flower my words. He passed away. You feel Laredith's hand come to rest on your shoulder, Alan. <sighs> I confirmed it myself. I was... I was looking at his wounds. Laredith, I need you desperately. As soon as I finish this thought. It's a, it's a process. His wounds weren't... indicative of... his state. Is that right? Is that the right words? Can, can Alan roll what would alan roll would it be arcana to see if he would know anything about the rod possibly affecting that on him or would alan just have no inkling of that um there there is an argument to be made for you to make an arcana roll but it hasn't been made yet like i don't think you have enough information to make okay that. um i hold on and i i 
tap on Owlin's right shoulder. Um, like a, like a person who has fingernails that are way too long and they're trying to use a smartphone. Radford uses the, like the pad of his finger and, and just presses in on the, the front of, uh, Owlin's, uh, shoulder and touches one of his key points. Um, and there's just like a little bit of a, like a, a buzzing sensation. I tapped into his key. Or what should have been any residual key in his body. And there was almost another soul inside of him. Something that, that was exclaiming that it was finally free. Or something to that effect. Now you could make that arcana check. Okay. Um, <laughs> Alan's going to say out loud that that strikes me at first as something of the Aboleth, but also that's not consistent with anything we know of them thus far. That's a 15 on arcana. Uh, you, um, yes, you can put the pieces together that um, possibly something went wrong with the rod and the fact that there are 72 generations of high wisdom characters basically in there. Well, well, it couldn't have been. He, well, he told us he successfully attuned to the rod. It, it strikes me, it strikes me as something that could have been caused by the, by, by an, an incomplete attunement or something. The, the, the souls in the rod trying to take over his, his soul, his mind, but it doesn't, well, anyway, and then Alan's going to, attempt to get up and 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 he you know he's good enough to stand i, I we uh, you have his body correct you said you, you said you touched his key that's the other part so short answer yes long answer he's with fox he's in a temple to aurora aurora and um wait do i know that yes that i did stop the by there that's the letter right. that you all yeah. wrote things on yeah. to each other no, yeah. I went and visited her. That's right. Oh yeah, um, he did that too. There's a uh, a priestess there, who is. I don't know. Like he points at like his gourd. I know vibe stuff. I don't know all of this machinery gear things, but she had papers strewn out all over the place, and she was like, "Good, like writing up a storm, muttering something about sacrium. I don't know what that is. Okay, and, okay, and like." resurrection and stuff but she was frustrated and i tried to kind of like help revive a little bit but it wasn't working and then i thought of you laredith and well you too that maybe with your powers i say powers it seems like magic to me but with your brains maybe we you could figure something out if she had a bit of a starting point i don't know how this stuff works i i, I, I yes i i, I think I, I think we can do something. Uh, did did Zothkug have his pot on him? His 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 the did you, did you ever see him with the the pot and the plant inside of it? I saw it. Uh, it was cracked or something. But we threw that all in the it wheelbarrow. The we brought everything with him. Okay. Did the plant appear to be alive? It looked like a plant. <laughs> it didn't okay, look brown. That's a starting point. Well, actually, DM did okay. it look brown? You didn't check. Uh, I didn't check. Okay, um, 
uh, and then Alan's gonna like turn to Lerith. Uh, Zothkog had a plant uh, touched by um, by 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 what's the name of the magic item? I crescendo. forgot it. Crescendo, touched by Crescendo, and it it seemed to have somewhat of a magical capability on its own. Um, I, I think that it could, if if either you or the 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 priest in the, the priestess in the temple have enough magical ability, I I think it could be utilized possibly along with whatever um, the priestess is 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 designing. I think we need to go. We need to. We need to go up there now. We need to. I. I need to get up there now. Uh, yes. What of the queen? I. With whom we've just made very tentative arrangements. Do you? Is the is the gemstone guardian still in the room? No, he dropped Redford off and then went back to to his work. I. I have to. I have to see my friend. If you need to stay. I don't know then, what I should do. I'm the only this one here without a brain. Question. I am not an emotional being. Um, I could say. Well, the problem, perhaps I will explain it for you because you are the epitome of an emotional being. We <laughs> have uh, Thank you. very, very tenuously and after a very difficult discussion persuaded the queen to open essentially a, a royal bunker or, or a safe place in this palace to me, um, to, to harbor me. She has a lot of bitterness built up from the darkening and holds me partly or perhaps mainly responsible. I was not able to determine from the way she behaved. And it was after her daughter, the princess, um, explained that Owlin and his companions actually saved her life, that the queen considered the scales balanced enough to offer me protection and, and gave me... Um, permission to use the the vault and they're making it ready now that's why we're in this room we're waiting for the preparations to be made so that it has you know the various needs of a living being in it such as a bed and food and things um, if I do not go I fear that would upset an emotional being who felt they were going out of their way for me but I do not know how to maneuver the situation that that I believe is is completely valid. I, I I think maybe at this moment, the best um, option is for uh, me to return uh, up a few levels with Radford for you to stay here. Um, once someone has returned, uh, tell them that I have gone to to hopefully um, revive the poet. And if you tell them the poet, I think that they will understand the gravity of the situation. My other hope is that I can perhaps repair some of the damage that the queen feels by assisting her in preparing to defend her queendom. Yes. Um, I perhaps did not do a good job of surviving their trap, but I have seen a lot of the capabilities of the Aboleths and their forces just in the rescue that you helped achieve. Um, and perhaps this is a way that she could feel she had been repaid for her debt. But I feel perhaps an emotional debt to you and Zothkug, and I do not know. Radford, what should I do? Well, sometimes, sometimes wisdom isn't based on the facts. Sometimes wisdom is based on just the right thing to do. And if you told the queen that you were going to do something, then 
then you should you should stick to your word. But I don't know how Oharan churches work. But why can't we just bring them down here? It will be um situationally challenging for whichever of Oara's favored staffs the labyrinth to work outside of that space. Mm. There are certain consecrations in place that I do not know how well they will have held up after the darkening, but in general, a favored who is in the in the position to fulfill Oara's will receive certain benefits from being in that place. And I imagine that she would not want to leave that space, she or he. I think that I think you need to keep your word. I think that's important. And also, we've your, got about a ten day time limit. Your your emotional debt to us will be fulfilled when you help destroy the Ablis. Not not to worry on on that front. Oh, fear not. The machinations of their demise are advanced in their midst. That makes Alan smile. I know some um, of those words. <laughs> <laughs> um and then all right we we need to go we need to we need to we need to see we need to see Zoth. I will wait here and explain why you have left. I do not believe you are under any obligation to stay based on the queen's behavior. Perfect. Um yes. Perfect. Uh and then actually uh, uh and and Radford actually if what what do you remember the location? of the the temple of Awara oh, yeah. that he is in in case when the when the queen or the princess knows of what we're doing they can send aid perhaps i'm not sure if they could aid us really yeah absolutely it's the one up by uh, you know, over there and he points in the direction all right I totally i'm sure, know where I'm it sure is. that they i'm sure they would know generally where it is um if if they if they have any ideas of what aid they could send um that would be welcomed as well and then at that Alan's gonna like start stepping out. Like, let's do it. Let's get to let's get to Zoth. Awesome. You want another drink Bad before we go? Alan will. Alan. Uh, yes. Alan will pick up his his little his wooden cup again. He'll and just down the rest of it. He'll he'll take it and then give you his cup. He didn't have any of his. Okay. And then Alan Alan will just just throw it back and then go. Bottoms oh, up. Okay. Careful. Those are my only two cups. I'll put them back away. <laughs> uh, Radford, are you going to do anything after Alan leaves? Or should we follow him in the story? I thought I was going with him. I'm not letting that half dead yeah, he's guy going, go. Yeah, he's going with. Sorry. Okay, great. So the two of you I was I Radford. was telling Laredith to, to give them an instruction of, hey, if you... if Yeah, yeah, anyway. Understood. So the two of you leave. You head to the reticulator. You use your medallion to skip the line. You head up to the fifth tier, the emerald tier. Alan is temporarily and very, very briefly fixated on the fact that, like, wow, this place is dope. It's, like, made of emeralds. <laughs> and then you walk through the tier, and you you find your way back to the Temple of Awara. We've reached a point in tonight's adventure where we are actually using a, a homebrew minigame that I built to try and simulate the creation of this, this machine of raised dead. So what's happening is the, the cleric... Um, whose name is Naomi Lorena, she is attempting to build a machine that will let her cast Raise Dead. And um, death-defying spellcasting is so powerful and the shockwave of, of arcane energy so great that no cipher has ever been able to contain it. As Fox called it in a previous session, it's sort of the holy grail of cipher tech. 
So we're beginning with a 0% chance of success. However, we have nine days to try and help her succeed. And there are a number of actions that the players may take to attempt to help her succeed. So each day, the player may choose what their, their character will do that day. And then there's a skill check and a, and a benefit based on it. So like, for example, one of them is you can go and find raw materials and you make your investigation um, check. And if you succeed, then you get to add 1d4% to your odds of success. At the end of the 10 day, well, nine days, because it's the end of the first day right now. Um, at the end of your nine days, we will add up the numbers. I've got a whiteboard right next to me. I'm going to track them and we will figure out how it goes. Um, I think this is a, a fun way of, of doing this. However, unfortunately, it is pretty crunchy. So sorry for you listeners and viewers. Uh, we're going to try and make it fun to watch, and we're going to exposit and do our best, but also this may be something for the players more than for you. There are boons and complications associated with this adventure. Chat, I told you to save up your boons. That's because your boons give pretty significant benefits to this. Um, for example... One of your boons is donation of money because they, they have money resources available. One of your boons is um, a breakthrough discovery. They just get a bonus 1d6%. So like there are things you can do that are that are pretty huge for them. And so I was like, hey, save your boons. I also limited the number of boons you have available because I didn't want us to just like spam our way through until we get to 100% and, and kind of eliminate the stakes. This is still a really challenging and important thing that they're doing. And I have not let them see it until this moment to try and prevent what I can already see Wash doing, which is an attempt to optimize your choices each day. Um, because with the constraint of time, how would you know? Um, so, <laughs> so that's that. There are also complications. The good old tension pool uh, returns with a slight modification to this. Each day, I will add one die to the tension pool, and I will roll it at that time. So when I add it to the tension pool it will be counted as one complication. When the tension pool hits six, I will roll them all again to see if we get additional complications. And the complications are basically things that detract from their success, like an experiment goes poorly and someone loses a day um, or something like that. So the the boons and complications are, are pretty serious here as well. Um, the only mandatory thing that must happen for this spell is it requires a diamond worth at least 1,000 wingle digits. So the finding this diamond has to happen in the nine days you have for it to work. And the challenge isn't really finding it because we're in a city of master crafters on the eve of their festival where they're planning to show off. Like the Harvest Festival has a bunch of people showing off their wares. The real challenge is getting them to part with it. And so the players have two, two challenges to consider. They can... Um, use charisma-based skills to try and barter the price down because they're going to be way overpriced in festival time. Um, and then they can also use their investigation skills to try and find it faster. So um, by default, it'll take 1d4 days plus two. So one character will lose that many days to do other things. Um, but they can roll investigation to try and make it faster. You may take the help action. So players can decide that instead of doing a second task today, I'm going to assist on the first task and give that person advantage on their roll. You can't stack this, so it only makes sense to buddy up two people at a time. Um, and you have 5,000 wingle digits available to begin with. Some of these things, like I said, cost money. We will talk about when each day changes. Yes, it's boon time, chat. Um, and we will let you know when the day changes over. So... Um, each time there's a new day, you have an opportunity to give a boon up to your limit. I can't remember the exact limit, but it's somewhere between four and six, uh, something like that. 
So that's how many boons can be can be granted. So with all that in mind, um, we we now join on the morning of the next day. Um, so we're we're beginning on day one of nine. Each player may take an action to assist. So what are we doing, players? Let's see if we can pull this off. All right. And I'm going to try and find some music for it. Looking for the diamond. Okay, Fox is going to look for the diamond. Is anyone going to help him? Um, chat has granted a boon. Um, so I am not trained in any charisma-based skills, but could I make a case for my proficiency in insight where since he is like being persuasive, I can like be insightful of the person and kind of like feed him that way. Like you could totally use that to give Fox advantage. Okay. Um, so Fox is making the role and you have taken the help action. That's a great idea. Um, so we'll, we'll do those. In fact, let's start with those because that'll tell us how many days Fox takes. I'm also going to roll a D4 to see which of the four chat boons we get. All right, so Actually, I have... Actually, I'm not going to roll it. I should let the players roll it just to be more fair. Ooh. How about Trevor rolls? Hey, there poor you go. Trevor is Am mostly I designated <laughs> roller? Uh, yeah, you're the designated roller for Boone's. I love okay. your, your fate is in your hands. A D4? Yes, a okay. D4. I got a three. You got a three. The third one down is amazing turnaround time. One character completes their attempted task by midday, allowing them to also take the untrained extra hands action to assist. So, um, Alan, you will have the opportunity mm. to do basically two tasks today. Nice. Okay. Um, um, Alan, what I, what I was going to say, Alan will want to help on the actual construction. If he's needed to invent, to help investigate, he will do that, but his draw will be more towards helping the construction of the machine. Okay. So, um, we're going to start with the diamond and then we'll come to Alan because okay. we need to see how long the diamond takes. Cause for that time, it'll just be Alan who's helping. So okay. let's start, Fox, with your investigation check. So this one you're not All being right. helped with. So go ahead and roll investigation for me. Um, <clears throat> that's a five. With advantage? It, oh, he does oh no, advantage the investigation. I thought you it, said that's a five? Yeah. You, you, yeah. He gets advantage on the um, charisma type stuff. Oh, this is the investigation. Right, you, I'm, I'm following yes. you. Yeah. Okay. So it will take one d four plus three days. Trevor, roll one d four for us. I did roll a one. <laughs> nice. Yes. So four days. Fox and Radford are out looking for the perfect diamond for this. They come across it, and the vendor doesn't want to part with it cheap. They're like, "Look, dude, it's the it's the harvest festival. I can get this thing for you know four thousand wingle digits." Um, Fox is going to try and barter with them with Radford helping him get the vibe. Fox, you can choose any charisma-based skill you are trained in to roll that like makes sense for the situation. Because you could try and intimidate them, you could try and persuade them. You could, you got lots of options. But talk to me about how you use that skill. Whichever as well. way you do it, we need to make sure that you're dressed really nice, dressed to impress. He's going to mm. respond well to that. All right. Fox changes his armor into. Um, a very uh, modest suit, right? Clean, crisp, but no extra frills, right? And and Fox is going to walk up and be like, all right, listen, okay? I, I, I really, I'm not getting this for some fancy BS, all right? I'm not doing this for some holiday fest. Listen, 
I, I this is going to sound crazy, man, but trust me in saying that I know a friend of mine and the only way I can help him is if I bring a diamond. I'm literally, he's being held ransom for a diamond right now. <laughs> and in the most literal sense. And if I don't get this diamond, he he won't come back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ease, ease off of that a little bit because now he knows that you really need it. You know, maybe, maybe play it a little melancholy in the middle. Now, I only have this small amount of of money to my name and i i honestly i can't afford to part with much more if i i i can only give you as much as i have all right and i i don't want my friend to die just because i can't afford a diamond all right go ahead and make your roll with advantage let's see how persuasive you are maybe the option so it could be chat it could be as cheap as 500 wingle digits or as expensive as 5000 depending on how he rolls maybe we got a 21. Ooh. 21. So non, that's that's non, a dirty 20, right? Okay, dirty yeah. 20. Uh, okay, so it costs 1,000 wingle digits to get a diamond worth 1,000 wingle digits. That's some A-plus bartering <laughs> um, on, the, on the eve of the Harvest Festival. You talked him down from 4,000, uh, which leaves you with an available 4,000 wingle digits to spend as a group because some of the more specialized and other materials cost more. So the first four days, this is what Fox and Radford are doing. And then we're going to check in with Alan to see what he does. By getting this diamond, we've increased our chances of success by 5%. Yo, we should have had a bar uh, like somewhere on I on, thought about it, but I didn't have time screen. to make it. Problems of, problems of a passion project. <laughs> um, okay. Alan, on the first day, is choosing to be um, helpful with the actual construction on days yep. when Alan spends the whole day helping with construction, he will roll Arcana. And as a reminder, Alan, um, I believe your injuries give you um, disadvantage, but I can't remember if that's true or not for for that skill. I, th- um, I think it's just combat, my, okay. my internal injuries. Yep. Cool. I'll double check, but yes. I, I trust you to moderate it. So right now, okay. just, just roll without it. Um, so yeah, he and he could be as helpful as plus 4% or as hurtful as minus 4% on a nat 1. So... All right. Uh, first day is a six. A six is no change. It has to be below a five for it to be All detracting right. from your percentage. So oh, Alan I get is- the disadvantage because of uh, my because because of my my exhaustion. Or wait, no, I've slept at this point. This You've is the next at day. This point. Yep. Great. These are, these cool. Are days. Perfect. Then yep. This is just normal rolls plus three. Right. With Alan, what camera. are you doing on day two? And All right. Chat, it is now the second day. If you want to use first your day, on this day, first first day, Alan was getting ahead of himself he was um just you know try like you know not following the lead of the priestess who's building the machine he was trying to kind of oh yes i see what you're doing here i'm going to try to anticipate that build over here whatever he was just getting in their way though he's smart enough that it yep. wasn't causing a a, a a a you know a negative effect but it just wasn't helpful um this today he's going to be more focused on following her lead um, listening to what she needs, help assisting her on like the, the the this portion of the construction, if that makes sense. Got it. And while he thinks about that, chat has granted two boons. Um, so I will need Trevor to roll two d four, but I need the two numbers separately. Don't add them together. Okay. And we'll come back to that in a second. Radford has a hand up. What's up, Rad? Um, was Radford a part of the investigation? Because that's what took a couple days. Like, could he be back at the at the camp? Like helping with anything with this and then be out while they're finding the diamonds 
or while the he's problem getting the is diamond? That, the problem is that for Radford to be there for the negotiation, he would have to be with Fox when he found the diamond. Okay. Okay. So oh, that's fair. Because just it curious. takes him all day of searching. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, it's just Alan this day. So Alan, um, let's come back to you and then we'll learn about our boons. Nine. So Alan rolled a nine. This was again to help with the construction. Yep. Okay. Yep. So with a nine, there's again, no change. Um, Alan's having a rough couple days here. He's emotionally distressed. Mm. This is the most, besides building a simple little tinker toy, remembering his dead friend, this is a little bit more serious than, well, not more serious, but you know, more practical than that. Um, absolutely. So this is a little bit rough for him. He's not, once again, he's assisting, he's trying to help. He's not being a burden, um, yeah. but it's obvious that this is a this is a tough time for him and he's not being as like attentive um, and detail-oriented as he normally would be. Luckily, it seems like fate is favoring your venture uh, as there are some boons that are bestowed upon you. But before we get to them, I forgot to roll the first day's complication. So I'm going to roll a complication die. If it lands on a one, it did not. So there's no bane for the first day. Um and it goes into the complication or the tension pool. Let's add, boom, there it is. So that's in the tension pool. I should just let the 3D die die on screen roll so that everyone go. can see the roll on it. Um, that's what we'll do. And then I'll just roll for the, the six. Okay, so now let's hear about our two boons. Trevor, what did chat grant us? Chat granted us a two and a three. A two and a three. So the first one is amazing turnaround time. One character completes their attempted task by midday, allowing them to also take the untrained extra hands action to assist. So on this day, Alan, um, even though you're not helpful in like the main construction, in terms of like, can you just pick that up and put that down? That does grant you, um, you know, so you can take that action as well. So you can. Okay, roll. I think I was also able to do that the first day, or someone was, because we got that boon earlier too, or did someone already do that? No, I think you're right. I think you can do that both days. Okay. Um, and we forgot to, to mediate that. So let's make That's sure okay. you get it for both days. So you yep. can choose not to roll decks and get a guaranteed plus one, or you can roll a decks and on a um, nat one, it's a negative 4%. On a nat 20, it's a plus 4%. 18 and higher is plus 1d4%. Anything in the middle, it's still just the 1%. Uh, I'll take the risk and roll. I, right. My first one was just the 1%. Okay, so day um, one, we added 1%. And next on day, day two, is a nat 20. Nat 20 Woo! plus 4% chance of success. Yep. So after Alan finally gets out of his own head a little bit and lets, you know, lets Naomi and Laredith, or just Naomi, take the lead and kind of guide him, then he starts to really get into the swing of it. And so now, now the odds are increasing. That brings us to day three. Fox and Radford again set out in the morning hoping to scour the market festival for vendors of diamonds. The festival proper begins this evening. Um, so it's it's Friday evening. The festival proper will begin this evening and run for a week. Um, Alan, what are you doing for this day? Uh, this will be... Okay. He's just going to continue trying to get this Arcana thing to work. He's 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 feeling it better. He's it's kind of feels like he's been banging his head against the wall those last couple of days, but he feel like he felt like he had a breakthrough at the end of yesterday. So he's okay. going to try one more day on this, like just helping with the construction. If this doesn't work, he's going to try to change tack. But OK, this is going to be his. That's fine. Uh, Gosh, dang it. What is it about these rolls? Um, that is an eight. So that is nothing. That's an eight. So that's nothing. So that's a plus zero from Alan. I'm going to roll the tension die from the second day and the third day. So here's the second day. If it rolls a one, we get a complication. All right, that one's a four, so we're good. And here's day three. 
All right. Still no complications involved. Yay. Um, the... Yeah, so that brings us to the morning of day four. Radford and Fox certain that today is the day they're going to find their gemstone set out with like a new plan or they're going to look on a different tier or something. And Alan, what do you do? Alan is double checking what he has. Uh, yeah, and I'll read some of the in. options for the chat here yep. just so that it's filling the space. So the things that Alan could do, he could go and try and get a helper, right? Four guys has Randy, Mig, Mikhail uh, working for R&D. He could go and get that guy and just bringing that mind in is a guaranteed plus to the chance of success, but it will take two days to get him and his gear in place. So the cost there is time. He could also assist with research. He could be reading textbooks or digging through some scholarly things. Um, and that is if he passes his DC check, he gets to roll for the percent he gains. He could also find specialized, like expensive materials to increase the percentage a good bit, or he could find raw materials that are less specialized to increase the percentage a little bit. So what'll it be? I'm just saying. Alan is going to um, have to be humble here and realize that he, even though he had one day of breakthrough helping, um, it, it has not been going well for him. And so he needs to bring Randy in. Like this is this is a like he can't grab Laredith. He knows that Laredith is obligated to the Queen right now, um, but Randy is someone that we need on this, and so he's going to take the two days to get Randy. All right. So Alan's going to take two days to get Randy, and that's going to give us a plus eight percent to the chances of success when we fire this machine off. Um, and Randy, of course, in his cool Tony Stark esque sunglasses all the time way, you know, he comes down with his big muscles and his tools over his shoulder and he sets up shop. And now you've got like a real proper workbench by the time you get this set up. You know, you bring in some of his his smuggled gear, which he's like, where am I supposed to put this if we're taking it out of the four guys HQ? So he's pretty pleased just to have somewhere to set up all yeah. his toys. Alan's um, gonna if he, if this wasn't so serious, Alan would be nerding out with Randy over all of the, what he's been working on since uh, right. Alan left the the thing. But he's just got to um, be all business. He's got to focus. Yeah. Up. And so this brings us to the end of the fourth day when Fox and Radford return with a big old diamond. Love that. Pretty exciting. And Rad uh, Randy's there just in time to get all excited about helping install it. And so that's gonna go great. Uh, Chad has granted a boon, which we'll come to on the fifth day. But first. We need to roll uh, a tension die for the fourth day. Here's the fourth tension die. Oof. A five. Uh, so still no, still no complications yet. Um, we're doing okay so far. It is now the morning of the fifth day, and Radford and Fox, you are finally free to assist in any other way you please. What will you do for the day? All right. Uh-huh. Hear me out. I'm gonna roll. Uh, I'm gonna roll decks as to help as untrained out. hands. Okay. Yeah. So unless Fox not ones, we're guaranteed at least a plus one percent to the odds of success here. Dex roll right. Yeah. Mm. That's a twenty some odd. 20, 22. Big That's deck? a plus one d four percent. Do you want to roll it, or should we have Trevor roll it as our designated roller? Trevor Trevor's roll. a roller. Yeah. Uh, that's a two. A two plus two percent uh, from 20. Fox's assistance Ooh. as as Randy and Alan are getting the final tools in place. Fox is stepping in to be the untrained hands. Radford, what are you? Did up we to already today? check the boon? Are, are uh, no, we'll do the boon after this. Are we restricted okay. to the things on this list? 
No, you can suggest other things to me. It just might take me a half second to try and figure sure, out how sure. much okay. they're worth. Okay, I didn't. Want, I didn't want to like break anything that you had planned. But I was like, looking, no, I love it. Like Radford, he he gets back to the camp, like after after being out and about, and he sees that you know Owland is kind of frazzled, you know. But but we got Randy here, so so you know it's like it's starting to even out a little bit. But there's really not a lot that he can do. Um, what benefit? could I bring to the table by supplying the whole team with really good meals throughout the day? Like just, <laughs> just like essentially just keep the coffee pouring, make sure like they don't even have to think about food. Like they can fully devote themselves to their work. We need Radford as our unit production manager. Hmm. Right. Just like, like, so there's like, a- like with my cooking supplies, I have like a quality of meal that you, if you roll a thing, I could use that if you want, um, but like, what could he bring to the table by by just like supplying everybody? Let me think about that while Trevor rolls for the boon chat has granted on the fifth day. We got a one. We got a one. A breakthrough discovery plus one d six percent as a meeting of the minds uncovers something new, which totally makes sense because Alan and and Randy just got set up. So this is totally a time where like the three of them, you know, Randy and Alan and we, we can um, we can bypass that entire together. part of the system if we if we simply you move this here D6? and if we yes please Trevor sorry G that was my random role playing of maybe what the meeting of the minds I sounded like I got a four by the way. I loved it plus four percent from the boon for the day um that's lovely okay I think that by supplying the group with food um what we'll do Radford is we'll say that. Um, because you specifically mentioned coffee. So you're like trying to keep them energized so they can work longer. So what I'm thinking we'll do for that is we'll give just a flat plus 1% for every day that you do it as like they're able to work just a little bit longer that day. Does that feel fair to you? Um, Seeing as though that's just coffee, would I also get like an action along with that? Sure. Okay. Then I'll just, I'll do, I'll just do the untrained hands thing. And, okay. and just make sure that everybody's topped off. Cool. So Radford's got a plus one, and we're going to do this every day. Um, yeah. Radford, is that right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you just can't take any of the actions that leave the the building, but you could do the other ones. Um, Zothka, or sorry, Trevor, I would like you to roll <laughs> a d4 for... Oh, no, you rolled your boon. Just kidding. Um, we rolled the boon already, and that brings us to the tension die for the Ooh. end of day five. Here it comes. Wait. What's oh, behind the GM camera? Oh, it's a no. three. No complication Ooh. today. Yay. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, did did you do untrained hands already? Or did you help out already? Uh, Radford Oof. is about to do his untrained hands, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I rolled a 17. 17. So a 17 is just a flat 1% increase. So 2% um, because of my coffee. Yeah, so at the end of this day, we have added plus two, plus two, plus four. Um, What's our total at? We're at 26, it looks like. Yes. Mm. Based off of my math. Yep, 26 is my math as well. We all oh, cool. we all align. Um, and that brings us to dawn of the sixth day. Everyone is free to participate as they will. Um, what will the group do? I'm going to do the same. Breakthroughs are... I am not trained in anything else here that is useful. 
Alan is also going to try to do his construction bit because that is the statistically, he knows that that's where he's going to be the most helpful if he manages to get his brain straight. Zoth will continue to be dead. We have money. (laughs) Too soon. And I don't see anything else that really uses it. I think we already kind of agreed not to use Lairdith. Yep. So I think... I'm just going to straight up just start finding specialized materials using uh, persuasion. Okay. That's great. On a nat 20, I'll let you double the, like you can roll twice um, for that, okay. the bonus, since you have so much money to spend. Um, we'll like double the cost and double the bonus. Alan I finally rolled something decent. He got a 21, so he's okay. going to roll the D4, or, or, or uh, Trevor, roll a D4. Okay. Yep, and then we also need Radford to roll for his untrained hands. Uh, 10. Uh, D4 is a 4. Let's go. Okay. 10 for my untrained hands, so just the the one per... Well, I guess... Wait, is that a 1? Yeah, yeah. 1 plus 1, one plus for coffee. your coffee. Yep. So 2 for my yep. untrained hands. And and Fox, how did you do on your investigation? Uh, Dirty 29. Okay, so that's plus 1 D8. Trevor, go ahead and roll that for us. All right, you said a D8? Yes. Okay. Um, Five. Five, plus five percent. So on this day, on the sixth day, we have got plus 11% to our odds of success. The group is getting into a rhythm. They're working hard, and this machine seems like it's really coming together. Um, the end of the sixth day means we're adding the sixth die to the tension pool. So we will roll this one die and then I will clear the pool. Oh no, that's where it's going to fall apart. This die landed on a complication. So that's our first one. Um, no. I'm going to roll my complication here. An unforeseen reaction to raw sacrium causes some damage to your construction, costing you 1d6. Trevor, roll a d6, please. Uh, five. Minus no! 5% to your odds of success. The dice give us and the dice taketh away. No kidding. And then we clear the tension pool. This is 6d6, and unfortunately I'm going to have to roll them here because um, I like they just vanished. Two more complications Dang it. strike the oh. group. Yes? Oh, sorry. I thought you were saying something to me. No, we were just sad. Big sad. The first complication to strike the group is um, ooh, a trade disturbance sees the Emerald Tier Politico call Naomi away to mediate, costing her a full day of construction time. This is uh, negative 1d10%. Uh, oh. Trevor, go ahead and roll it. Could I do a thing to maybe offset uh, that? Yes, that's a one. It's a one. one oh, let's nice go. Story. Minus one. Um, and then the other complication is... One of the scholars whose work you're reading was a charlatan, and following their advice causes some damage to your machine, costing one d eight percent. Trevor, go ahead I, and roll that d eight for me. Randy, yep. I told you that that stuff hasn't been peer reviewed yet. We can't. <laughs> we shouldn't have been using that. Uh, four, four minus four percent. All right. So, uh, the new net for this day is plus one for day six. All right. Um, still positive. So you did still net positive. Um, and so we arrive on the morning of day seven. What will each character do? DM. Yeah. What benefit could I give to Owlin and his construction role? Um, or really what benefit in general 
if I hand out two ciphers of haste? Um, one for I'll, me, one for Randy. I'll let Owlin roll with advantage if you hand out a cipher of haste to him, um, representing the ability to get more work done in the day. I'm down. Um, then I will do that for the next two days. Okay. And I will yep, mark so Alan has off. advantage for the next two days. Are you still making coffee too? I am. Yeah. So I'm still gonna. Okay, cool. I mean, I'm just giving them to him. So. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good. I got a twenty. That that gave me that gave me a dirty twenty. Yep. Uh, dirty twenty for Alan is plus one d four percent. Trevor, would you roll a d four for us, please? Absolutely. Uh, four. All right. Alan has gained you four percent. The coffee, the site, it's all coming together now. Um. Oh yeah. Fox, what are you doing together. today? That's like me on a monster. I am going to repeat the action, spend another 150 Wingle digits, okay. and keep using my high persuasion stat to or my advantage. Okay. Yep. 45. Zoth, you're dying. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did you roll? What did you roll? <laughs> All right. To be fair, the mechanics here doesn't say anything about a nat one for this particular action. <laughs> Yeah, you do. There are no penalties for a nat one because the worst you can do at finding materials is not find it's any not materials. Find any, yeah. You didn't bring any materials with you that you can lose and you're not in the building to damage the machine by tripping on it. You just are sad. So no no negative penalties. We just don't gain anything from Fox today. And then Radford, are you also assisting with your untrained hands? Yeah, I rolled a dirty 20. A dirty 20. That's plus one D4. Uh, Trevor, go ahead and roll that D4 for us. That is a three. Three. Plus Radford's been watching Alan and Randy work, and so now he's starting to get a little bit more competent with, with the machinery. Um, so that's I'm four to, with my coffee. Yep, here comes the tension die for, is that the seventh day? I think that's the seventh day. Oh, yep. it's a one, though. Um, no. So that means it's very bad at doing a complication, right? Uh, the emotion of it all is just too much. One character will not get to contribute tomorrow. Um, and the GM rolls which character. So I'm rolling a D4, and obviously if it's Trevor, I'll re-roll. Oh, it could be Trevor. <laughs> Sorry, it's Trevor. A, it's a three. Died. It was Trevor. I re-roll. It's a two. The corpse Fox doesn't... does not get to contribute tomorrow. That's... The emotion oh. of it is just getting to him. No, too lore accurate. Which, that fitting. makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Lore accurate. Yeah, Fox is like, he couldn't find his materials. He comes back. He's feeling hopeless. He looks at Zoth laying there, and he just like... Ugh, he can't contribute tomorrow. So tomorrow, Fox's is, is no contribution. Um, and then just in the yep, corner. So this crying. brings us to day eight. Alan and Radford have an opportunity to contribute here. This is the second cipher. I say Alan gets another advantage. Well, good thing because that one wasn't great. Uh, nope, we're going with the still not great one. That's an eleven. So I think that's just one percent, right? Yeah, plus one percent. All right. Alan adds a one, and Radford? Uh, I rolled beans, so it wasn't a natural one, but so okay. just the 2%. So Radford also, yep, Radford also adds plus, so a total of plus 3% for this day as everybody works together on making this machine. We're getting close to crunch time. Everyone's starting to feel it. It's getting, you're starting to feel real sleepy. You're, you know, like it just mentally drained. Um, and, and here we are rolling the tension die for day eight. It's a three. No complications on day eight. It is the morning of day nine. This is 
the final day to work on it. And as you are working, all of you know, like you have in the back of your head, it's today or nothing. We've got to fire this machine up today and try and brings off back. We've got to give it a, give it a go and see what comes out of it. And, and this is it. We've got today to contribute. Um, I would like my three characters to tell me what you're doing today as your last ditch efforts. How are we going to try and make this thing work? Day nine. Alan is going to, he's, he's at least going to ask whether this might be the right idea. Alan, you know, he told Lyridith to tell, um, to tell the queen slash princess that he was going to go help Zoth, try to help Zoth. He is thinking about going back to the palace and either trying to get Larith involved in a last ditch effort on the last day or get the princess or the queen or the princesses or the queen's resources involved in some way. He's been so buried in this that he kind of was like hoping that maybe during the time someone would get informed and care enough to come and help, but it hasn't happened yet. So unless anyone objects, I think Alan's going to try to do that. Um, uh, involving Lyridith in this project would give it a guaranteed plus 10% chance of success, but she requires tools and materials that cost it like that take a day to collect. Okay. So, so it's to too late. Get her, yeah. So it's too late to bring Lyridith okay. in at this point. Well then. Well, wouldn't that just be taking two day? No. Cause we have to cast the spell today. Like she couldn't work overnight on it. Uh, I would have totally then, given I you gotcha. the overnight yesterday, but, but she that's couldn't okay. Do that today. Then Alan's just going to be kind of pretty sad while he <laughs> tries to construct on this last day. Right. He's going to, well, he's no, not just kind of pretty sad. That's a, that's a dumb way of saying it. He's kicking himself. He is, he is, if, if this fails, he will be blaming himself somewhat because. Alan, listen, I mean, you've only, I, I noticed maybe you guys have run out some of this stuff. So maybe, maybe I just need to get some more. All right. Maybe, maybe that will help. All right. I, I just, I, I should have thought of it yesterday. I should have, I, I just thought that I thought someone would come. I just thought it's fine. It's fine. We're let's just it's it's gonna work. It's, it's gonna, gonna work. work. I, I, all right. Uh, I'm I, I I'm gonna bring you more of some of that stuff. Okay. You, you, you I brought you the other day. Yes. Um. And and if you could get um the kind with with rivets already in it. Um. I know last time we just had to drill some of those holes. It'll just save time. Um. If I got okay, you. Thanks. So. And Fox just runs off uh, to roll a 10 on the die, plus 10, because he's so handsome, <laughs> uh, to give a 20 dirty for finding specialized materials. That's a 1d8% gain. Yay. Alan gets a 10, so he just gets that plus 1%. Okay. The d8 is a 5. So we've got plus 5. Alan adds a plus 1. And Radford, how are we doing on your untrained hands? Hmm. I don't like this. And I'm scouring through everything that I've got. Um, yeah. There we go. Uh, 15. So it's another 2%. Okay. Yep. So in total from today, we gained plus 8%. And here Good comes job, the everyone. final day's complication die. No. Come on. It did not okay. roll a 1. Yay. And... I will not clear the tension pool um, because it's not at six. 
Chad has granted a boon this minute. At the last moment. Chad has granted a boon. Uh, Trevor, roll a d4. Uh, that's a three. A three. Amazing turnaround time. One character completes their attempted task by midday, allowing them to take the untrained extra hands action to assist. It makes the most sense for this to be Fox. Fox went out and found some specialized materials for Alan, the exact kind he wanted with the rivets already in him. He's back, and now he's able to, you know what? It's the last day I'm going to give an extra hand to the procedure here of getting this thing assembled. All right. I got to I gotta go for that dex roll. Well... It's it's a it's a nine. It's a nine. So that's just a plus one percent. We got one extra percent out of that. Thank you, Chad, so good. for granting boons. Um, that puts us here, and I guess that means that there were only three boons. So sorry, chat. Uh, I thought there had there were four in my activity feed, but one of them was refunded to remember the one the you read. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay. So. Um, that brings our total. Um, I'm going to, Matt, tell us your total, and then I'm going to add up over here to make sure they agree. I'm at 47%. Is that how much we spent? I got... No, that's how much we have left. 46%. Is that what you got? I got 47. (laughs) I'm using a calculator. I want to be sure. I don't want to screw you guys out of a percent. Did you include call 47 in the, uh, for it's day all nine in there. in the podcast? Uh, 47. Oh, okay. You were right. Yes. Um, imagine right. if that is the difference on the D100. Can you imagine? You have a 47% chance of success, which means that you need That's to roll good. a 47 or lower because we're starting counting at one. So one through 47. Um, okay. Trevor, you have the You are die. the die roller. <laughs> oh. Point your camera down. <laughs> okay. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I'm rolling on D&D Beyond. Don't do that. Use real dice. I don't trust those random number generator math goblins. <laughs> they actually use the physics engine. Use, so it's not a random number use generator. The, use the ones that have the weights on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that have the weights on the bottom for low numbers yeah. on the D100. Yeah, the ones you use to screw over other people, not the ones you use hey, to make hey. yourself look good. You got two sets of DM right. dice. You get your high dice and your low dice. <laughs> okay, hold on. I'm using my skull dice because death. That makes sense. I approve. Um, Alan, sure. Alan is numb. Alan is just like, is like not not emotionally. His body is literally numb. Radford may have put some of his moonshine in the coffee. <laughs> Let's roll them into your beard. Yes. Yeah. It all comes down to this chat. This is crazy. There's a 47% chance that Zoth comes back. The uh, ones digit is a four. Oh. The tens digit is a five, 50. Oh, it's a 54. The machine runs. The cipher activates. You hear the magic swell up into it. Raw sacrium, the smell of gunpowder, and maybe something flowery kind of fills your nostrils, fills the, the labyrinth of Oara. You sit there, you wait, your fingers crossed, your your hands tensed behind your backs. Rad, uh, talk to me about how you're pacing as you wait for the machine to do its work. It's an hour-long ritual. Uh, Radford is actually meditating. He is uh, he's He's smoking on his little bubble pipe. Well, I guess bubbling on his bubble pipe, and uh, and just he's he's trying to be an anchor of chill for others. Naomi, the priestess, 
is following the customs of the Oaran church. She has walked the labyrinth and has placed the go button for her machine on the altar, um, leaving her idea as the offering to Oara and is now just sitting at the altar. She's on her knees. She's hit the button. She's on her knees waiting. Alan is just standing outside the machine. Um, not, not pacing around it, not physically moving to show his anxiety, but he's just tensed up like this and his eyes are darting across every piece of the machinery. He's just like overthinking, overcalculating. Okay. If we did this, we had to have done this. And if this, okay, we have like, just, just like basically kind of praying to our Oara in his own way of just like, Please, every piece of this has to work. Every piece. Fox, what are you doing? Fox, Fox is um, just, he couldn't handle being in the room for it and has is pacing outside the temple, um, ignoring the street and ignoring everything else. Just It is Friday of the Harvest back and Festival. Forth. And so as you stand outside the temple, you feel taunted by the discordance of the happy music, the smell of fresh-baked food, the sound of revelers, drinking, partying, playing games in the streets. An hour goes by. The machine fizzles and smokes and finally powers down. And Zothkug does not move. He doesn't wake up. He doesn't sit up. Naomi, exhausted on her knees, sees what happened and just collapses in tears at the altar of her temple. Alan, Alan just, he's still standing in that same position. His eyes are locked on, on Zoth. And eventually, he just starts shaking his head, just like in disbelief. He also can't be in the room. He can't even look at the machine. He 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 darts out the door. Uh, Fox, you're outside pacing, your nerves going, and Alan rushes out the door. Uh, did did it work, Alan? Is it is. I'm not gonna even let Alan respond. I'm I'm gonna just immediately run in. Alan just stands outside the door, and he he's he's like, he's 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 breathing hard. He's he's yeah. He's he's just gonna he's trying to calm down. Fox runs up to uh, Zoth, and he is still and motionless. Now we 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 got the diamond, everything, man. You gotta you gotta wake up. I'm gonna start shaking Zoth again. We gotta wake up, man. Come on. We got, we got, um, we, we got, we gotta go to the next town, you know? We, we got one more town to go. You, you can't quit on me now. We, we, I, we, we got one more town to go to, man. Come on. Wake up. Wake up, Zal. Come on. You said you would go to the next town with me. 
Wake up. Wake up. Um, Fox is just gonna collapse on his chest, crying. Bradford, you're the only one in the room who is um, not collapsed crying, I guess. We haven't really heard what's happened to Radford, but, you know, Naomi has has fallen over and, and is crying by the altar, and Fox has collapsed over Zothkug's body, and you're still sitting cross-legged on the floor. Bradford is, is sad because these people are sad. And he doesn't know Zothkug. Um... But, you know, over over this, you know, more than a week of working very closely with these two, um, you know, he's he's kind of gotten to know them. He's kind of seen uh, Owlin's intricacies and his attention to detail and and Fox's passion um, and, and like his drive to to see his his plans through to completion. And I think right now, Radford is just trying to, I think he thinks it wise. The wisest thing for him to him to do is to give them something to hold on to give, you know, so that the entire room doesn't fall apart to, you know, to let them have their, their hurt and their feelings um, but to, you know, to give them some stability in the area, he's gonna, he's gonna stand up. Well, actually, no, he's gonna scooch. He's gonna leave his legs crossed because it's a pain to cross them like this all the, like, you know, at his age, he's gonna scooch across and, uh, and put a, put an arm around Fox and do like his his rhythmic breathing and try to get like loud enough and intentional enough to try to subconsciously grab fox's breath and and get him to you know calm down and uh fox in front of you you see this white old clawed scaly hand reach in front of your face with a little wooden cup and some clear liquid in it. And we, you know, Fox, he was really lucky to have you. You guys, we all, but really you guys went to quite the ends for him. And you can't say that, that there's worse ways of being sent off. I Fox gets up, grabs the, the cup. I didn't even treat him right, man. I always gave him a hard time. I You don't think he you think he didn't know. I I know he knows, but I I could have done better. I could have been a better friend, you know? We can always be better. I better isn't a, isn't an end goal. Better's a direction. Just because you could have been better doesn't mean you weren't good. I'm just going to sit down for a sec. You know, I... I don't understand why this didn't work. We... 
we did the, the thing. You, you all did the things. I, I got the pieces. We had the diamond. As you sit down, Fox, um, next to the machine, your hand kind of brushes against Zothkug, and you find the cracked piece of his pot there um, just inside his his um, shirt. It sits down in your hand. It's got the holy symbol of Kelnor on it. Um, it's the, the mug with the rising sun coming over the the top of it. Gods. Gods. Oh. You know, I haven't been following Kelnor for very long. And from what I've heard, Zoth followed him for a very, very long time. And if I can see this plain as day in you, I know he did. There's no way he couldn't have. I don't know, maybe... If I had just checked on him sooner, if I had known he was there... Naomi steps outside to give you a more private moment together, having at least pulled herself under control, if not really brought her feelings into check. She steps out of the room, and as she does, through the open door, um, propelled as if by memory itself, comes the smell of fresh earth from the mines that have just been, been toiled on a tiny gust of wind. That gust of wind blows a letter addressed to Caitlin out of Zothkug's pack. Uh, never opened, never read, um, but written when you arrived here as a gift for the princess. Um, it wasn't sealed. Zoth didn't really have like envelopes, envelopes. He just folded another piece of paper around it. Um, in Zoth's voice, I would like you to read us his final poem. <clears throat> Flowers are blooming. Fire ignites. Darkness feigns. From you comes the light. And on that note, tonight's Dungeons and Dragons session comes to a close. <laughs>